Well, I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. And I was breathing, but not alive. And all my failures I try to hide It was my tomb Till I met you Oh, you called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day Oh, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness, into your glorious day. And now your mercy has saved my soul. And now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new Jesus when I met you Oh, you called my name And I ran out of that grave Oh, I dumped the darkness Into your glorious day Oh, you called my name And I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day i needed rescue my sin was heavy but chains break out the way to your glory i needed shelter i was an orphan now you call me a citizen of heaven when i was broken you were my healing future my eyes are open cause when you call my name well I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day oh you call my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day. Whew. All right. Well, good morning, Harvest. Welcome to our online service. Blah de blah blah. I'll do announcements. Okay. I'll pray as I'm praying. Is that our uh, Harvest Kids moment? Yeah, not to us. It's the, next, the next one. The next song. Yeah. So I'll pray an amen, and then you maybe can cue that up. Oh, cool. You got it. So what are the songs we're going to? Uh, <laughs> Glorious Day, 
not, not to, to us. us. Um, great is thy faithfulness. Let's turn to that. And this is just for now. Like it's fine. Of course, it's on its own set. Well, not as you define Okay. At, at the end of uh, the last song, I just it just drew blank. This we know. This we know. Yeah. You guys will exit. I'll read the passage, pray, you'll move the microphone, and then I'll go into preaching. Now, when do you need to bring this back? Uh, when you pray, I'll bring it back for the closing song. All right, so when I close the message, I'll step over here Sounds good. so that you can do that. Yep. Sounds good. And then uh, you want to benedict or me close it out. Do you want to just close? We don't have, we don't have an announcement at the end this time. Right. You could just say, this concludes our service, you know, whatever. God bless you. Do you want me to... See you next Sunday. Do you want me to... Um, Introduce anything? No, like at the beginning, welcome yeah. like I did last time, or just go ahead and go in the song, and then you can welcome them during announcement. I would just say, hey, Harvest Decatur, let's sing this out together. And I can, I can do more formal greeting during the announcements. Sounds good, sounds good. Can I say, like, get your tushies off them couches and let's sing. I don't think it'd be bad to tell people to stand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I, cool. I mean, why not? But, but don't say get your tushies off the couches. No, that sounds ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> sounds like you're talking to your daughters. You <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> Try not to say a bad word. <laughs> All right, should we pray? Please do. Everybody got what they need? I think we're set. Anybody need a potty break before we start? Mike, Gary, I guess in an emergency, Mike, can people exit out that door? It's not going to just. Okay. So. Just don't walk in front of the camera. <laughs> uh, administrator harvestdecator.org, and then under that. Uh, harvestdecator.org, www.harvestdecator.org. No, no. I just want to give people a visual because when I say it, sometimes it gets lost in the saying. Be cool, actually. Have more camera angles. Uh -uh. No. Those guys are good. The talented musicians. Yeah. They sing well. They play a lot of instruments. Yeah. Alistair likes her stuff. He can sing in that range. 
Alistair, my son, he, he likes to sing hi. How, how does Gregory feel about Lance Lance? Mm-hmm. Everyone's eyes. Was that on Facebook or was that on? All right, you good? That's a lot for Facebook. How about we pray? Let's do it. You guys going to stay there? Yeah, we'll just stay here. You guys, let's, let's pray and let's go. Joe, you all set? You need a few more minutes? Okay. We can wait. 60, 59, 58, 57. 56, yeah, would that help? Okay. Yeah. Once we go, we go. Yep, perfect. Yep. And you have the Good Friday image, too? Those are probably the only two I need. Yeah, that's fine. Good Friday. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. I would still make you do it, except you didn't put on a nice shirt this morning. So. <laughs> you want to wear one of my jackets? <laughs> it's fine. I don't mind doing it. It's probably good for them to see Pastor Tony up there talking. What, if you were to guess for Good Friday on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think? the chances are or percentage chance from one to a hundred that we're gonna yeah be in the building for good friday what about easter oh really that's discouraging For ADM, they're not bringing back asymptomatic people to the office, though. Before that, oh, everybody. But they don't have a work plan in place for when you do come back to come back, like for in stages. Like at first, you come back with you know asymptomatic people, or next, you know, you kind of change the. Levels of specifications as to what the what you have to get to be uh fever free. Yeah. Fever free I guess I am. Yeah. Sixteen nine. Okay. So it's not filling up the whole TV screen? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I was doing that for a while. I don't know what happened. Probably a new, new computer. 
You set? Let's pray and roll. Ready as you'll ever be? All right. Uh, Mike wants to walk through the order of service. So, so I'm going to give a very quick welcome harvest. Get your butts off your couches and sing with us. And then go into our first song. Tony's going to announce. Mm -hmm. Then we got Not to Us and Great is Thy Faithfulness and This We Know. I'll, I'll pray. No, I'm not praying. I'll You're finish just that. Close. Step off. Tony's going to come up. Read, read scripture. Yep. And then pray. Sermonize. Yep. Then you'll pray. I'll come up for Cornerstone. Yep. Sing through that one. Then I'll dismiss. Dismiss. Close. Yep. No big benediction. Just. Right, right. You are loved. See you next week. Something Your like that. Elder's going to step up here. We'll be here for prayer. We're available. Give us a call. Cool. All right. How about we all pray? Pray for the person to your left and for their duties today. Okay. Thanks, Lord, for. Uh, Lord, just can I just say thanks for giving us a great team of people to serve with, Lord. Appreciate these men. Appreciate, Lord, uh, the work that they've done already to get uh, to where we are right now, where we can record this. So thank you, Lord, and we pray that you would empower it by your Holy Spirit. We know it's not perfect, Lord. It's not exactly what we want in terms of gathering with our fellow believers in the church. But, Lord, it, it can be good, and it can feed people's souls, and we want that to happen, Lord. So be with my brother Ryan. Help him, Lord, to sing with clarity and with joy and with passion. And I pray, Lord, that... Uh, as he sings, people will join in tomorrow, and kids will join in tomorrow and sing and celebrate. So bless him now and give him help, Lord, to, uh, uh, to play these songs, sing them, and glorify you. us how that looks mm -hmm. 
to serve and love on each other and that that will continue on even when we're able to meet again mm-hmm. that we'll continue to learn to sacrifice and be there for one another mm-hmm. Lord, i pray for joe as he's uh preparing the powerpoint even now that pray for him as we go through and thank you for his talent and his ability to do this on the fly is what we're doing and just pray that you'll make this a smooth service for all of us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Point of clarification. As we transition, you coming up this side, you coming around. I'm going to go the other way. way. All right. Yep. All right. You guys ready? I'm almost ready this time. Oh, no. We're going right now. And I guess when you're coming, you're coming that way. 
So I'll go that way. You always go that way. Off. good bro you're good oh yeah thank you thank you that's what i need to <laughs> here we go here we go there you go where'd you learn that <laughs> all right welcome harvest to our on Welcome, Harvest. We are here on our online service. We welcome you. Well, welcome, Harvest. Thank you for tuning in to our online service. I want to encourage you, let's stand and start this morning in some worship. Here we go. Well, I was buried beneath my shame. And who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. And I was breathing, but now. Alive And all my failures I try To hide It was my tomb Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day oh you called my name and i ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day now your mercy has saved and now your freedom is all that I know The old made new Jesus when I met you Oh, you called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness into your glorious day Oh, you called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day 
needed rescue my sin was heavy the chains break at the weight of your glory i needed shelter i was an orphan now you call me a citizen of heaven when i was broken you were my healing then your love is the air that i'm breathing i have a future my eyes are open cause when you call my name darkness into your glorious day you called my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious Harvest, Decatur, glad that all of you are able to join us this morning for our worship service. Just want to deliver to you now a few announcements, a few things going on in the life of our church as we continue our worship service. First of all, we want to let you know about some things happening soon in our church. We have a Good Friday service coming up on April 10th at 5.30 p.m. Now, we understand that with things going on in our country, in our state right now, it may not be possible for us to meet for that service. But we want you to know that that service is a go, whether in person here, if we're able to meet, or online like we're doing right now with our video. So plan to be a part of that. Plan to remember Christ, His death, that makes our salvation possible on Good Friday. That's at 5.30 on April 10th. Tune in, or we'll meet here in our church building. And that goes the same for our Easter service the following Sunday. So I realize right now there's a fluid situation and we as elders still need to determine what we're going to be doing in the coming weeks. But whether in person or live, we are planning to have those services. Also, we want to just let you know, as we've uh, said already, if you ever have any prayer requests that we can pray for you as elders, please send those in to us at administrator at harvestdecatur.org. And Lorraine Roberts will forward those to us as elders. We don't have an opportunity right now to uh, pass our friendship register in uh, our sanctuary and take those prayer requests, but you can still get those to us. And we want you to deliver those to us. Just send them in by email. And then also we're sending updates throughout the week on uh, what's happening in our church and also what our plan is week to week for our weekend services. So if you're not getting emails or if you're not aware of what's happening, not getting the bulletin that was sent out on Saturday night, then make sure you email uh, Lorraine Roberts at administratorharvestdicator.org and she will make sure you get on that uh, email list. Also, just want to let you know we don't have an opportunity as well to give here during our worship service. But you do have an opportunity to give online, just like you do all the time at our website, harvestdecatur.org. And so you can even do that now and participate in our worship service by giving. There's a tab on our website on the far right that says give. Just click on that tab and there's a way for you to give of your tithes and your offerings to our church so that we can continue to provide these videos and continue to pay our mortgage and other things like that. So 
Hey, church, we just want you to know that you are loved and we care about you and we are praying for you. And as we continue our worship service right now, Ryan's going to lead us in some additional songs and just sing out to the Lord. Let me pray for that time. Let me pray for the balance of our service and ask God to bless it. Lord, you are so good, and it's good to be in your presence, Lord, today. Even though we're separated, we're not able to gather. Lord, you are with us in our homes as we're with our families, as we're worshiping. And I pray, Lord, I pray for everybody watching this video right now, that they would sense that togetherness, that we are the body of Christ, and that even though we're separated, we can experience the love of the Holy Spirit, the shared gathering that we have virtually right now. God, would you just impart that to each of us as we are singing and worshiping and, and celebrating the resurrection in our homes. God bless that. And I pray too, Lord, it's going to be so sweet when we're able to gather again in our church, our church building. Lord, and I just want to pray that you would be with us till we meet again in this building. God be with us till we meet again. We love you, Lord. We worship you now. We give you praise. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, Harvest Kids. We know that you've missed each other and missed your leaders. We got a song for you guys this morning, so why don't you do the motions and sing out as loud as you can. You know it. Here we go. The cross before me, the world behind. No turning back. Raise the banner high. It's not for me. It's all for you. Let the heavens shake and split the sky. Let the people clap their hands and cry. It's not for us. It's all for you. Sing it out. Not to us. And not to us. But to your name be the glory. Not to us. But to your name be the glory. Our hearts. Our hearts on It's all for you. And send your holy fire on this offering. Let our worship burn for the world to see that it's not for us. No, it's all for you. And not to us, but to your name be the glory. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. Sing not to us, no, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. The earth is shaking, the earth is shaking, the mountain shouting. It's all for you. The waves are crashing. The sun is raging. It's all for you. The universe is and singing. It's all for you. Your children dancing, dancing, dancing. It's all for you. My all for not to us. 
but to your name be the glory not to us but to your name be the glory oh not to us but to your name be the glory oh not to us but to your name be the glory They fail not As thou hast been Thou forever wilt be Great is thy faithfulness Great is thy faithfulness Morning by morning New mercies I see All I have needed thy hand hath provided great is thy faithfulness lord unto me summer and winter summer and winter and springtime and harvest sun moon and stars in their courses above join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness mercy and love great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i see all i have needed thy hand hath provided great is thy faithfulness lord unto me sing pardon for sin and pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow blessings all mine with ten thousand beside and great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i see all i have needed thy hand hath provided 
great is thy great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness yes great is thy faithfulness lord unto me You are who you say you are. You are who you say you are. You'll do what you say you'll do. You'll be who you've always been to us, Jesus. hope is in you alone, our strength in your mighty name, our peace in the darkest day remains, Jesus, this we know. We will see the enemy run, this we know. We will see the victory come. We hold on to every promise you ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. Our God, our God. Through the wilderness And our joy In the heaviness And our way When it seems there is no way Jesus Yes, we know We will see the enemy run this we know we will see the victory come we hold on to every promise you ever made jesus you are unfailing so we trust you we trust you your way higher than our own we trust you we trust you your ways higher than our own sing we trust you and we trust you jesus we trust you your ways are higher than our own and we trust you in all things we trust you your ways are higher than our own this we know we will see the enemy run this we know 
We will see the victory come And we hold on To every promise you ever made And Jesus, you are unfailing This we know We will see the enemy run This we know We will see the victory come we hold on to every promise you ever made Jesus you are unfailing yes Jesus you are unfailing oh Jesus you are Scripture reading for today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Lord Jesus, we're here to get today gathered and ready to worship by studying your word. Help us, Lord, if you would, to understand Romans chapter 5, this great passage of Scripture. Lord, this word has done an amazing thing in my life, and I want to see it impact others, Lord, in a similar way. God, bless your word. Speak to us through it. Help those who are right now going through a period of affliction and suffering and difficulty and hardship. Lord, may they see this as your work in their lives, working to bring about endurance and character and fresh hope. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Let's say amen together. Can we do that, church? Amen. Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles together and turn to the book of Romans, if we could, the passage that I just read, Romans chapter 5. We are continuing our series entitled Holy Redeemed today, and for the last three weeks we've been talking about justification and how we are saved apart from works. And Paul has spent an extensive amount of time arguing and defending what's called sola fide, by faith alone. We're saved by faith alone. He's done that in Romans 4. He did that even before Romans 4 and Romans 1 through 3. Now, as we look at Romans 5, Paul is going to address the so what now question. So what now? And if you, you've been asking that question along the way, you're like, okay, Pastor Tony, I'm, we're justified. We're saved by faith. So, so what now? So what now? Okay. You know, we what does justification mean for our everyday lives? When I'm, I'm raising my kids, when I'm trying to advance my career at work, when I'm 
doing my dishes at home, when I'm single, when I'm married, when I'm young, when I'm old, when I'm cooped up inside of my house trying to keep the the spread of this virus from going everywhere. What does that mean for me now? So what now, Pastor Tony? Well, Romans 5, 1 through 5 is the answer to that question. Romans 5, 1 through 5 is what you will be doing, quite frankly, for the next 50 years of your life. I'm calling this today the circle of spiritual life. This is the circle of spiritual life. You remember the circle of life from the Lion King? Y'all remember that? You know, the, the, the lions eat the antelope, but then they die and they become fertilizer. And then the antelope eat the lions. That's the circle of life. And then Elton John starts singing, it's the circle of life. It's something like that is what I'm talking about here. But not like antelopes becoming food for lions and then lions become fertilizer for antelope. No, no, no. I'm talking about something else here. I'm talking about the circle of spiritual life. There is something that God wants to take you through again and again and again as a justified follower of Jesus. He wants to take you, you can see this in verses 3 through 5 in the passage that I just read, hope, suffering, endurance, and character. Hope, suffering, endurance, character. God's going to take you through that again and again and again. Rinse and repeat throughout your life. It's like, it's like a washing machine. God is going to rinse you and rinse you again and again. Think of it this way. It's like a, like a merry-go-round. God is going to take you on this merry-go-round throughout your life again and again and again. And instead of getting off on the same place that you got on, think of a merry-go-round, but think of a merry-go-round that, that spirals upward, that, that elevates You're going to go in this merry-go-round, but you're going to come out in a better place of character than when you started. You're going to come out with more hope in Christ than when you started. That's the cycle. Hope, suffering, endurance, character. Hope, suffering, endurance, character. And over time throughout your life, you're going to grow in character. You're going to be more like Jesus. Over time, your hope in Christ and your hope for the future is going to expand and become this this ever-increasing joyful expectation. That's what Paul's talking about here. That's the Christian life. That's what it means to be justified and to live out your life as a justified Christian. So here we go, Harvest Decatur. Let's get into this. Three points in your notes with a few sub-points to boot. And before we get to the circle of spiritual life, let me mention three things Three things that those who are justified by faith have, okay? And here's number one. Those who are justified by faith have peace. Those who are justified by faith have peace. Paul says this in verse 1. He says, therefore, and that, that, that's an important word, therefore. That signals a major transition in, in the text that Paul's writing. Therefore, in light of all that Paul has written in Romans 1 through 4, therefore, in light of all of that, since we have been justified by faith. Now, let me stop right there. Let me ask you this question as we're moving along here. This is the most important question that anybody could ask you in your entire life. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not hyperbolizing. I'm asking you right now, are you justified by faith? Are you now? Is Paul talking about you here when he says, since we have been justified by faith? 
Martin Luther called justification, this concept, this theological idea, the, the doctrine on which the church stands or falls. He actually said this, he called justification the principal article of the Christian, of all Christian doctrine. Justification is the principal article of all Christian doctrine. Therefore, we should know this article well, teach it to others, and beat it into their heads continually. That sounds very Martin Luther-esque, doesn't it? That statement right there. And maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like Paul's been beating this into our heads for the last four chapters. And maybe you feel like I've done that too. But that's because this is so important. I know why Luther is saying this. It's so important that you know the answer to this question. Have you been justified by faith? Have you now? Some of you right now might be asking, okay, Pastor Tony, can you tell me again what that means, justification? Can you, can you tell us really, really simply? Because our, our kids are listening right now. Can you tell us so that they can hear and understand what this means? Yes, here it is, as simple as I can make it. Listen up, everybody. Listen up, kids. This is my Harvest Kids moment, all right? To be justified. Justified by faith means that you have trusted Christ as your Savior. You have put your faith in Him. It means you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that He was raised from the dead. And when I, when I put my faith in Christ, and I did that when I was age six, a long time ago, when I put my faith in Christ, it was just as if I never sinned at all. I'm justified, just as if I never sinned at all. I, my sin was placed upon Jesus, and he paid for it at the cross, and Christ's righteousness was given to me. That's what it means to be justified. You can do that right now if you haven't done it before. You can put your faith in Christ and, and be saved. The Bible says if we, tr- if we believe in our hearts that God rose Jesus from the dead, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. That's the assurance of salvation that we have. That's, that's what it means to be justified. John Stott says it this way. He says, for the essence of sin is man substituting himself for God. That's us. That's Adam and Eve in the garden. We, we tried to put ourselves in the place of God. That's the essence of sin. We still try to do that. While the essence of salvation, says Stott, is God substituting himself for man. Jesus took what we deserved on the cross. He substituted himself for us so that we might be saved. If you believe that, if you understand that, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, then you are justified. Paul says in verse 1, assuming, let's look at our Bibles now, Paul is assuming that you've done that. He says, therefore, since, not, not if, not when, but since, since you've done that. You know, Paul's writing to his original readers here in Rome, assuming that they've been saved, that they're justified. So everything that flows out of this passage from verses 2 to 5 flows out of that. They've been justified. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, here it is, church, peace with God. We have peace with God through, not, not just peace with God because we're so awesome, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we are at peace with God. That's how we have peace. I read a story this last week about Abraham Lincoln and 
was uh, was a story about a soldier who had this issue that he wanted the president to solve for him. And it was a dispute about some land. And so he went to the White House and thought he was going to just go right in and see the president. Well, it doesn't work that way. He actually got stopped on the White House grounds by the security, and they kept him away and said, no, you cannot see the president. You do not have access to the president. And he was kept at bay. And because of this, he was so despondent, he was outside of the White House grounds, weeping and uh, distraught. All of a sudden, as he's weeping, this little boy comes up to him and asks him what the trouble was. And the soldier tells this little boy what happened in his predicament. So that little boy says, oh, I'll take care of that. And he walks right up to the White House. And then the security guards, when they see this little boy, they salute. And he walks right in, marches right into the office where his father, Abraham Lincoln, was resting. And he presented this soldier to Abraham Lincoln. That's what Jesus Christ has done for you. You don't have access to God unless it's through Jesus Christ. You don't have access to the Father unless you go through the Son. That's where your peace is found. That's where your peace with God is found. Now, let's talk about this peace in verse 1, because I want to be really clear about what this peace is. All in favor of Pastor Tony being clear, I want to be clear. Gary wants me to be clear over here. Okay, let's be clear. What is this peace? What is this peace? Well, let let me be clear about what it's not. Peace with God is not peace in our time. It's not world peace. As much as I want that, I, I really want that, but that's not what Paul is talking about here. I heard a report this last week that more than 35, in 3,500 years of recorded human history, 3,500 years, Only about 286 of those years saw peace. So 286 out of 3,500 years of recorded human history, we have peace. That's that's not great, is it? And also in that same report, I read that 8,000 peace treaties have been signed. And and in those 8,000 peace treaties, uh, sorry, 8,000 peace treaties have been signed and have been broken in that 3,500 years of human history. 8,000. 8, so, I mean, if you're hoping for peace in our world because of what Paul's saying here, that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about peace in our world in verse 1. He's not talking about, and let me be clear about this too, he's not talking about freedom from suffering. When Paul says, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace. He's not talking about freedom from suffering or freedom from strife or freedom from viruses. Hey, Pastor Tony, you know, God promised us peace. What's this COVID-19 thing? Why is this spreading? That's not what God promised you. Peace, peace from viruses. Therefore, let's read the text. Let's be clear here. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's our peace. That's not, not freedom from strife, not world peace. And, and let me be clear, too, this is not like some kind of inner peace inside of your soul, this kind of tranquility that comes over you. I think that can be a byproduct of this peace with God, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. The opposite of this peace with God, Paul talked about it in Romans 4, the opposite of peace with God is the wrath of God. Do you remember that, Romans 4, 15? 
For the law brings wrath, Paul said. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. And so the opposite of that wrath that comes by our own work is the peace of God that comes through faith. And it only comes by faith. That's the only way you're going to receive it is by faith in the Lord Jesus. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we have peace through Jesus? Well, you have peace because through Christ, through your faith in him, you have been reconciled to your creator. You have become, as the Bible says elsewhere, a child of God. And the Bible also makes clear that there's really only two possibilities in the human experience. You're either a child of God or you're a child of wrath. Those are the two great options for you. And actually in the book of 1 John, John makes a starker contrast. He says you're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. 1 John 3 verse 10. So I mean, that's, that's pretty stark, isn't it? Who's your daddy? Are you a child of God or are you a child of the devil? Which is it? Jesus has made a way that we would have peace with God through him. We were actually a child of God. We are reconciled to our creator because of what he's done for us. And here's a bonus, too. Here's something that Paul says elsewhere in the scriptures. Not only do we have peace with God, but by prayer, we have the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4. I know some of y'all have been memorizing this passage and, and I think that's great. This is a great passage. This is a great passage for our historical moment right now, COVID-19. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God. Now, Paul in Romans isn't talking about this peace of God that comes through prayer. He's talking about peace with God. But if you have peace with God... Then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the fruit of the Spirit that's being produced inside of you. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Peace. You have access to that peace. If you have peace with God, then you have the peace of God that can be manifested in your hearts and dispel anxiety. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm, that is good, church. Memorize that. Sing it together. I got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Y'all ever sung that before? That's good. That's Philippians 4. Sung out, believed, lived out. Go ahead and write this down as number two. Here's another thing that we have if we're justified by faith. First of all, we got peace. We got the peace that passes understanding. We got peace with God, and we got the peace of God through prayer. Another thing that we have, those who are justified by faith, is that we have standing before God. We have standing. What does that mean, Pastor Tony? Well, Paul says this in verse 2. He says, through him, that's through our Lord Jesus Christ, from the end of verse 1, through Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. There are so many amazing things that I want to say about this verse. I only have time for a few comments here. But let me just point out three great words here. Access. We have access like Abraham Lincoln's son had access to his father, the president. We have access. We have grace. And we have standing. Each of those words deserves its own sermon. I don't have time for that. I, 
I just want you to know how awesome this is, that you have access to God by the grace that he has given you. Not by works, but by faith. God is not your politician, okay? He doesn't bend his ear to you just because you're one of his constituents that voted for him. That's not how it works here. You are an enemy of God by nature. The wrath of God resides upon you, but by grace you can actually be saved and have peace and have standing before him. You don't have standing outside of Jesus Christ. Psalm 130, verse 3 in the Old Testament says this. It says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Nobody could stand before the Lord if he counted our sins against us. But because of grace, because of Jesus Christ, we can stand before him, not as an enemy, but as a child of God. Who made that possible? I didn't. You didn't. Jesus made that possible. Through him, we have obtained access into the grace in which we now stand. I heard another great story this last week about another president, President George Washington. I should have saved these illustrations for President's Day, but this is so good. I, I had to share this with you. Before, this is actually before George Washington was President George Washington, and he was just a general. During the Revolutionary War, there was a, a faithful preacher of the gospel, a man named Peter Miller. And he lived near this fellow who hated him and opposed him and ridiculed his followers in the church. Well, one day, this neighbor of Peter Miller's was found guilty of treason and sentenced to death. And when he heard about this, Miller knew that this accusation wasn't true. And so he had to intercede for this enemy of his. So he walked all the way, 60 miles away, to intercede for him before General George Washington. And the general listened to this minister's earnest plea for this man but then he told him that he, he didn't feel like he should pardon his friend. He said, I don't think I should pardon your friend just because you walked all the way over here. And Miller said, no, 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 no. You don't understand, General. He's not my friend. In fact, he's, he's my greatest enemy. And, and George Washington was taken aback by that. Really? You walked 60 miles? You trudged all the way over here to intercede for a friend? And Washington says, well, that, that puts the whole matter in a different light. I will grant your request. And with pardon in hand, Miller hastened back to the place where his neighbor was about to be executed. And his neighbor saw him. And when he saw Miller, he exclaimed, oh, old Peter Miller, he's come to have his revenge on me by watching me hang. But he was astonished as he watched the minister step out of the crowd and produce this pardon that spared his life. That's what Jesus has done for us. We were enemies, and he pardoned us. He freed us from sin to make us children of God. You know, it's, it's commonplace in our day, and I hear this a lot as a pastor and, you know, in the, in the Twitter sphere. You know, I hear people say, Jesus is my homeboy. People like to say that, talk about Jesus being that way. I just want to be clear about this. Before you are justified by faith, Jesus is not your homeboy. You are an enemy of his. He is holy. We are unholy. He is righteous. We are unrighteous. He is the son of God. We are children of wrath. 
And yet, as an enemy, Jesus intercedes for us. He dies for us so that we can move away from children of wrath to children of God. Paul says it this in verse 2. And I think if, if you don't get that, that you're an enemy that's been redeemed by Christ and now you're a child of God, if you don't get that, you don't really get Christianity. You don't really get the gospel. And you don't get how Paul can say this at the end of verse 2, that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. If you get that, and if you know what Jesus has done for you and the future that he's purchased for you, you rejoice You rejoice. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You sing that song and you celebrate because of what Jesus has done for you. Why do we have joy? Why do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? Because Jesus has purchased our salvation and we're going to live forever with him. Actually, this word here for rejoice, it's the word that's translated elsewhere, boast. We've talked about this already, this Greek word kaukamai, and it means to boast. We, 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 we rejoice, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. If you remember, this word was used in chapter 4, verse 2. And Paul said, therefore, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, kaukamai. If he, if he was justified by works, then he can boast. He wasn't justified by work so he doesn't have anything to boast about not before God you might remember that passage I quoted as well Jeremiah 9 23 and 24 let not the wise man boast let not the wise man kaukamai let not the wise man halal in Hebrew boast in his wisdom let not the mighty man boast in his might let let not the rich man boast in his riches but let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. Paul uses that word boast here again in chapter 5, kaukamai. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We don't hallelujah works. We don't. We don't hallelujah ourselves. We hallelujah. We praise the Lord. In fact, we boast in the Lord. Paul says here, we we hallelujah hope. We, we hallelujah in the hope of the glory of God. Go ahead and write that down as number three. Here's something else that we who are justified by faith have. We have peace. We have standing. And those who are justified by faith, we also have hope. We have hope. There's a lot of hope. In this passage, hope is so important for us as humans. The Greek word for hope is elpis, and it shows up three times in this passage in verses 2 through 5. You saw it at the end of verse 2, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You know, Pastor Ryan, we were talking about this passage this last week, and he said, you know, this sermon, you should call this sermon you're about to preach a new hope. After the first Star Wars movie, and I politely said, no, we're not doing that. But I concede that that hope is such an essential part of this passage. It really is. Paul is conveying to us the great commodity of hope that we have as saved followers of Jesus Christ. 
And, and by the way, let me say this. I've said this before, but it bears repeating. When we talk about hope, this is not like, mm, cross your fingers, hope. I hope it happens. That is not biblical hope at all. We're not talking about like, well, you know, I hope that person falls in love with me someday. Or, you know, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow because I got a lot of work to do. That's, that's not the hope we're talking about at all. When, when we talk about hope, we talk about biblical hope. This is, this is assurance in God's promises that what God has promised, he's going to bring it about. That's the hope that we have. If you remember last week, we talked about Abraham. And there was that great statement that he hoped against hope. He hoped against hope. What does that mean? It, you know, he, he had this human hope. God had given them this promise that you're going to have a child in your 90s. And you're, you're going to have this son. You're going to be the father of this great nation. And his own hope and his human hope, there, there's no hope at all for that. His body had shriveled away. There's no way he's going to have a child. But he hoped beyond that hope. He had a God-believing hope that trumped his human hope. And that's what he put his faith in. And by the way, before I get to verse 3, let me, let me just say this. You know, we're talking about these great, big Christian concepts, peace and standing and grace and hope. I just want to tell you that these commodities that we have as Christians are more valuable than silver and gold. People kill themselves in this world for silver and for gold and for money and for stocks and bonds. This is better than that. These are the greatest commodities in human existence. And what's amazing about this, you can kill yourself for silver and gold. God gives us, to the, God gives us these for free. These are free gifts as part of his grace. We have peace, we have standing, and we have hope. Let's talk about hope. Look at verse 3 with me. Paul says, Not only that, Not only do we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, verse 2, not only do we boast in the hope of the glory of God, but we also rejoice in our present sufferings. Really? Really? Does it really say that? We rejoice in our sufferings? Yeah, we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Hmm. And endurance produces character, and character produces new hope, you might say, fresh hope. This is that great circle of spiritual life that I mentioned earlier. Here it is. Here it is, church. It's epic. It's epic. Paul says we rejoice in our present sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings, our present sufferings, our affliction. Thlepsis is the Greek word. It has the idea of trials or, or afflictions. What, what is that? What is that, Pastor Tony? What is our sufferings? Well, he's talking about a fallen world. We live in a fallen world with tornadoes and hurricanes and other natural, natural phenomenon like that that are out to kill us. We, we, our sufferings include sin that's all around us and the effects of sin all around us. He's talking about persecution of Christians that happened in Paul's day and still continues in our day. He's talking about aging. We all have this suffering. We, we all experience aging and death and diseases and sicknesses and viruses. And, you know, your kids driving you crazy. We all have this suffering. We do. And, and. Paul says we can rejoice in that. We can rejoice even in the midst. I can rejoice in that, Pastor Tony. How do I rejoice in that? Why do I rejoice in that? 
Because we have hope for the future. Because we know that God is doing a work in our lives through that. Can we rejoice even right now as COVID-19 is inconveniencing all of us and, and wrecking our world? Yes, we can. Paul says that we can. Because suffering leads to greater hope. Here's the pattern. Let me give it to you again. You can write these down in your notes as A, B, and C. We have faith in Christ and we have hope for the future. But in this world, in the present, we experience suffering. Well, that suffering produces endurance, says Paul. And that endurance produces character. And that character invigorates our hope. It strengthens our hope. And we cycle through this again and again and again in our life. A new bout with suffering leads to a new bout of character, which our endurance leads to fresh character and fresh hope in our lives. We cycle again and again and again through that. I'm on like my hundredth cycle of this at 41 years old. Some of you are like, I'm on my thousandth cycle of this, Pastor Tony. More suffering, more endurance, more character, more hope. And, you know, we try to think of ourselves, I, th I think we like to think of ourselves as strong and capable. Our faith in Christ is unshakable. We're really godly people. And then we go into another season of deep trial and suffering. You realize you're not really as strong as you thought you were. But then you endure it. Then you trust Christ. Then you hold fast to the Lord who you love. And then new character is formed in your life. And it increases your hope, your hope for the future, the hope that God will come soon. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And then you go through that and you're as strong as you could possibly be. You couldn't, couldn't imagine yourself being any stronger in your faith. And then you go through an even deeper season of suffering. A diagnosis from a doctor. You, get, you got kidney stones that are incredibly painful. Or you've got cancer. Or you've got an unruly child who is disobedient and who won't conform to, to your expectations of them. And you go into a deep place of suffering and you endure and you persevere and you trust God and you build character and you get to even a higher level of character than you ever imagined. And that increases your hope and your expectation of Christ's return. And that's why Paul said that, that we can rejoice even when we're suffering, even when, when COVID-19 wrecks our world, because every bout with suffering leads to more character. Every bout with suffering leads to more hope. Every bout with suffering means you're about to grow, Christian. I'm, I'm suffering right now. You're about to grow. God's about to use this thing to do something in your life that he couldn't do any other way than through that suffering. And so because of that, you can say, hallelujah, praise the Lord in the midst of your suffering. Uh, let me be clear about this, too. And I said this last week. I just want to reiterate. I, I don't like suffering. Uh, I don't like trials. I like ease. I like when things are comfortable. And the only people that really like suffering or like love it are masochists. We're not masochists. But I, I'll tell you this. I like what suffering does. I like how God uses it. Suffering does this thing in our lives. I mentioned this last week. It helps us to prioritize some things. It helps us to remember those things that are most important in our lives and put away those things that are, are not as important, that aren't going to have lasting value. Suffering does that for us. We grow in character and hope through our suffering. 
Here's how my youth pastor put it for me and explained it to me when I was about 14 years old. So this was like 30 years ago when I was a teenager. And I'll be honest, when I was a teenager in my youth group, I was, I was kind of a, a punk, really, and a nuisance. So God bless my youth pastor and what he put up with. Um, I mean, I was a Christian kid, but I was a, I was a punk. And he taught me this, but, but I was listening. I was listening, and he taught me this, and I remembered it for 30 years. So just be encouraged, parents, if you feel like you're not getting through to your kids. Harvest Kids volunteers, Harvest Students volunteers, hey, they might remember something 30 years later. Here's what my youth pastor explained it to me, and this has stuck with me forever. He called it this circle. We have hope. We have hope as Christians, and that hope is inevitably partnered in this life with suffering, with pain, with affliction. We have hurts. And by the way, I think Christians suffer more than the rest of the world. We're not like Buddhists who pretend that suffering doesn't exist. It's just an illusion. Just, just you know, push it away. And we're not like Stoics either or like modern-day secularists who, who don't know how to handle suffering. And so they try to avoid it at all costs. We don't look for it, but we're not afraid of it as Christians. We meet it head-on like Jesus did. We face it. We face it. Jesus suffered. We suffer also. We can handle it. And as we do that, the interesting thing that happens is that that suffering, that pain allows us to endure and it leads to endurance. It leads to perseverance. It leads to steadfastness. And that's why we can rejoice in the midst of it. That word for endurance here in the Greek is is one of Paul's favorite words. It's the word hupamone, hupamone. And I talked about this word a little bit when I preached through Second Thessalonians, because Paul mentions it in First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians. Hupomone is built on these two words, hupo and mone. Hupo means under, and then mone means remaining. So it's, it, it's, it has the idea of remaining under the suffering, remaining under the hardship. You're, 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 you're standing fast. You're holding fast, even though it hurts, even though it's hard. You're going to trust God. You're going to endure through that. I love this word, steadfastness, this, this English word. It has a similar etymology because in uh, Old English, the word fast, before it meant speedy or quick, it meant fixed and secure. And the word stead means uh, in place or position. So steadfast meant fixed in your position. You're firm in place. You're suffering. You're going through affliction. You're going through a trial. You're standing fast. You are steadfast through it. You're trusting Christ through it. And the, the word picture there is like the, the queen's guard at Buckingham Palace as people come by and as people try to agitate them or heckle them or provoke them. They stand there and they take it. They can put up with it. That's you, Christian. That's you under the weight of suffering. You are Learning endurance. You are learning steadfastness. You are learning hupomone. And as you endure through that, you get to a place of character, of maturity. That's how God wants to build maturity in your life. That's how God wants to build Christ-likeness is through this process. In fact, this Greek word has the idea of not just character, but, but testedness tested not not testiness that's different okay this is testedness you have been tested you have been proved 
You have been refined like a fine metal. And you are growing in Christian character. And what results from that? What results from that? Character. Maturity. Christ-likeness. John Piper said once that God is always doing about 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. (laughs) I I think that's right. I think that's right. God is always doing this in our lives, whether we know it or not. And God is maturing us, and God is refining us like a fine metal. The Apostle Peter says it this way. This is a great parallel passage. He says, in this, your suffering, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm, That is so good. That is exactly what Paul is saying, but elaborated more. The Apostle James says something similar. This is one of my, this, this is, Uh, One of my wife's, not one of my wife's, but my wife's, one of her favorite passages is what I'm trying to say. I only have one wife, okay? It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces, there it is again, hupomone, steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Peter, James, and Paul, they're all saying the same things. It's like they're reading each other's mail. They, you know, it's like, it's like the same Holy Spirit inspired all three of them and writes repeatedly in the New Testament for your benefit that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and that character strengthens our hope for God's return, for Christ's return, for the future That's how God grows us as Christians. And this is the cycle that he takes us through again and again and again as Christians. I love this quote from D.A. Carson. I read this this last week and it really encouraged me. D.A. Carson, an older believer now, one of my professors at Trinity, probably dealing just with aging at this stage in his life. And he says, I'm not suffering from anything that a good resurrection can't fix. I'm not suffering from anything right now that a good resurrection can't fix. If you don't understand that quote, it's because you're very young and you haven't cycled enough through suffering, endurance, character, hope. Suffering, endurance, character, hope. And Paul says in verse 5, let's finish this up. I wish I had more time to unpack this. He says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That is so good. I don't have time to unpack all of that. I'll just say this. If you put your hope in Jesus, you will not be put to shame. You will not be put to shame in eternity, in the future. And you will not be put to shame in the present. God uses even suffering in your life right now to accomplish something great, to refine you like gold. 
God is doing that in your life right now. In the presence, in the present, he pours out his Holy Spirit into our lives. When you get saved, when you get justified, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And love, joy, peace, patience, those things are being produced inside of you. That Holy Spirit inside of you is a deposit of the future inheritance that you will have in the presence of the Lord forever. The Holy Spirit inside of you is reminding you that you are His, that you belong to God, that you will live with Him for eternity. That's what we have as justified believers. And someday all the suffering in this world, all of the pain, all of the trials, all of the sicknesses, all of the viruses, they'll just be a, a distant shadow. And you will enter into the presence of the Lord and you will live forever. And all who put their hope in Jesus will not be put to shame. We sing that here, don't we? All my hope is in Jesus. All my hope is in him. That's our hope. That's our hope. What are you hoping in? Where is your hope found? What's your hope for eternity? close with this it's a great moment at the end of the Lord of the Rings where one of the main characters Samwise Gamgee he turns to Gandalf the wizard and he says in a really tender moment he says Gandalf I thought you were dead and then he says I thought I was dead and if you read through the books, by the way, this isn't in the movie, so you're going to have to read the books. you probably got time right now. Read the books. They're so good. But if you follow what happens in the three books, you know that Samwise Gamgee, Sam, he's been through a lot of suffering. He's been through a lot of hardship. There's been a lot of trial for him and for Gandalf. And he thought he was dead several times in the book. And then he gets to the end, and it's this really tender moment where he, send, he sees Gandalf, and he's like, I, I thought you were dead, but you're alive. I thought I was dead, but I'm alive too. We're alive. And because of the suffering that he's been through, because of the sadness, he, his joy is even that much more pronounced. His rejoicing is even that much more pronounced. And, and as he says this, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead. Then he turns to Gandalf, the wise wizard, and he asks this great question. He says, Gandalf, is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? Let me just say, for those of you who put your hope in Christ, the answer to that question is a resounding yes. Every sad thing will come untrue. C.S. Lewis says it this way in The Great Divorce. He says, Some mortals say of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for it. Not knowing that heaven, once attained, will work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory. All suffering, all sadness, all affliction will eventually dissipate into the unmitigated rejoicing of eternity in the presence of the Lord. 
That's our hope. That's what we look forward to as Christians. That is the badge we wear when this world shows its fangs, when this world tries to eat us alive. We have hope. We have hope beyond that. And someday every sad thing will come untrue. The old hymn writer Edward Mote, he said it this way. We're going to sing this in just a second. He said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When I'm overwhelmed by suffering, when the affliction is so bad, when all around my soul gives way, he then, is all my hope and stay. And then the hymn writer looks to the future. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Let's bow in a word of prayer, and then we can sing that together. Lord, we thank you for the righteousness that we are clothed in, not our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ, our Savior, our Lord. And God, we are so grateful that you give us hope in the midst of a hopeless world. You promise us a future, Lord, and even in the present, you promise that you will use our afflictions, use our sufferings, use our trials for your good purposes to make us more like you, to grow our character, to make us more like Christ, our Savior and our Lord. God, I sense that you are doing that right now in the lives of of Harvest Decatur, the people that call this church their home. Some of them suffering through difficult things right now. God, you're using that. You're using that to refine them. God, in that process, grow their hope, grow their longing, grow their anticipation for eternity when every sad thing will be made untrue. We look forward to that day. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but holy trust in Jesus His oath His oath is covenant His blood supports me in the whelming flood when all around my soul gives way then is all my hope and stay. 
Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love and through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. When darkness sings, when darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. And through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. Christ alone. And Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. And through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. When He shall come, with trumpet sounds oh may i then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone forth the stand before the throne and christ alone cornerstone weak made strong in the savior's love and through the storm he is lord lord of all yes christ alone cornerstone in the Savior's love and through the storm He is Lord, Lord of all He is Lord, Lord of all concludes our service. Thank you again for tuning in. As always, if you have prayers or praises that you want to share, our elders are available. Please pick up the phone, give them a call, send them a text, an email. You're loved. We'll see you next week.